Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Agreeable Gray Area podcast with me, Elle. So I wanted to start off this episode thanking you all for this awesome milestone that we've reached. So the Agreeable Gray Area podcast has reached a total of 206 plays as of the time of this recording on February 21st. So how Anchor FM defines plays, it's it's the total that includes all downloads and any stream of of 60 seconds or more across all platforms. And the average play per episode is 11, which is crazy because I only know seven people. So there's like a mystery four people that I do not know that listens to this podcast. So hello, four people. You must be from Whole Foods because you guys are all organic. (laughs) Wow, I'm so funny. Anyways, (laughs) so for a lot of you, you may feel as though 11 people per episode isn't a lot. I will strongly disagree for unique organic listeners who are most likely thinking this. It's a lot to me because I haven't really been promoting this podcast that much. I only promoted it on my on my Facebook once. That's when I got to episode 10, which was like the beginning of December. So that was like over two months ago. And I haven't really been promoting it all that much. On occasion on Twitter, I may retweet Gil, who's the only one who's sharing it on <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> it's it's one of the perks of knowing at least seven of the eleven listeners. <laughs> I, I can name y'all by names. So like, yeah, that's you know I, I pretty much just retweet whenever Gil shares it, which you know I absolutely appreciate him for sharing it, you know, like it gets more eyes on the podcast because I am failing at promoting my own podcast. (laughs) I am going to try and do better. It's just nerves. I'm not even going to, you know, chalk it up to anything else. I'm not out here pretending like I'm way too good to share my own podcast. I'm just way too nervous (laughs) to share it. A part of me doesn't really want to be that person that you see, especially on Facebook, whenever one of your friends, you know, like from high school shares their new endeavor that they're doing. And it's like, oh, okay. And they're like, oh, like my new page. It's like, oh, you know, like this page so you can follow more updates on, you know, my podcast. And it's like, yo, like, shut up, Alex. Like, who is going to listen to your podcast? I haven't spoken to you, heard from you since junior year of high school in Miss Galuli's class. Like, I don't know if you're racist now. I don't know what, like, I don't, I don't want to listen. Like, nobody cares, Alex. Like, stop, stop promoting it. 
every single time you release something new. Stop it. So (laughs) I just don't want to be that person. Uh, Like, I don't know. Like, I was thinking maybe every other podcast I release to promote it. I don't know. I'm still workshopping that whole thing. Because it's like, I I can either go like the really aggressive route of just always sharing it or not, or just, you know, sharing it every couple of episodes or, or something. I don't know. I just don't like the thought of being annoying. Especially because this is like a really personal podcast. I know it's a little ironic because I'm out here sharing my life and making it very public on multiple platforms. (laughs) And yet I want to keep it hidden. I never said I made sense. So today I want to talk about... um, the concept of knowing versus believing. I know that we've all heard about this, you know, like we all know that there is a difference, but like I kind of have my own definition of knowing versus believing. How I see knowing, it's like knowledge. It's what you read in textbooks, it's what you read in science articles and science journals. It's, you know, just pretty much basic facts. Two plus two equals four. There's no real contesting that. Belief is more so feeling. It's like empathy. It can't really be explained. It's just... It's just a belief. It's just feeling. It's like faith. For example, when people say that they're atheists, it's technically they're an agnostic atheist. It means that they know, it's like they don't know, and they do not believe, essentially. Like you can be an agnostic theist. You cannot know or you can you, you know that there is no god but you could you believe that there is like a deity meaning that you you don't think that the religions of this world are correct however you could still believe that there is a higher being out there so the other day i was talking to my therapist about something that happened or something that I had witnessed a friend do. And I just sort of, you know, launched into talking about the relationship that, you know, this person I had throughout the years. I began changing into a version of myself that, you know, I believe is better. And they were, essentially, I was outgrowing them, to say the least. And I've always wanted to distance myself from them. And the moment came, just not how I expected. And overall, I was fine with it. But it still kind of irked me. So that friend treats herself poorly. I don't really want to go into detail. But they treat themselves poorly. And I didn't want to be around that. 
I, I just didn't really feel comfortable. So I began distancing myself away from them. So long story short, I was telling my therapist about this and he said something that was pretty profound. It's going to sound simple and I'll, I'll explain it for sure. He said that, you know, people are just going to do what they do. And what that essentially means is that people are just going to do what makes them feel good, what makes them feel better. It may not be the right thing, but they're just going to, you know, do what they do. And it was kind of humbling to hear that because it's very obvious that people do what makes them feel good, what makes them feel better. We may know the opposite is better for us, but we know what feels good to us. For example, before I recorded this podcast, I ate a ton of pieces of chocolate. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just in my house. The chocolate tastes really good and it's just very easily accessible. So I ate a ton of chocolate. I know that wasn't the right thing to do, but you best believe it made me feel great. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to have a massive sugar rush, so we'll just see about that. <laughs> like, we all know what we need to do to get to the level that we want to get to. It's not really much of a secret. People who want to quit smoking cigarettes know what they need to do to quit smoking cigarettes. People who want to make more money in their careers know exactly what they need to do to make more money in their careers. People who want to lose weight, get fit, or whatever, know exactly what they need to do to get fit and lose weight and, and all that. It's not really a secret, but there's something that's blocking us. And what's blocking us is our own beliefs. It's the lies we tell ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves to make us feel better or to give us answers in some way. Oftentimes, these stories and lies that we tell ourselves make no sense you might feel as though your wife is upset with you because you fell and sprained your ankle and now you, for whatever reason, think your wife is mad at you when in reality your wife is, you know, has her own things going on <laughs> and has nothing to do with your sprained ankle, even though your sprained ankle does suck. It's probably just like she knows how you get whenever you get hurt. But you probably, you know, close in on yourself and don't want to talk to anybody. So she's probably just like kind of avoiding you. But you think you did something bad by spraining your ankle when that's not the case. You know, like, it's just a lie that you tell ourselves when in reality, it's that's just, you know, it's just a story that you kind of tell yourself. Just because we know what we need to do to get to the next level or stage in our lives doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to do that, especially if your life is pretty cozy, if it's pretty comfortable. One of my favorite books is The War of Art, not to be confused with The Art of War by Sun Tzu, 
but The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, a very short motivational book about what we need to do to get to the next level in our lives and how we're all confronted with this force called resistance. And resistance is neither good nor bad. Resistance's sole purpose is to keep things as they are. So if you have a job, you have a roof over your head, you have food on the table, you have a functioning car, you have some savings, you have all the streaming services, everything is good. Why would you want more? Why do you want to be the director of your company? Why do you want to start your own company? That's what resistance does. Resistance just keeps things as they are. And we as humans, we naturally just want to stay in a space that's safe to us. So to really try to branch out of what's already safe kind of goes against our very nature. Because if we have food, water, shelter, if we feel safe, if we can contact whoever we want to contact, if we're not unhappy, then why are we seeking more? So what resistance does is convinces us that we are fine. It gives us every excuse in the book to make us not try to get to the next level. And so we feel secure in our own lives. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just, this is what keeps people where they're at. And it's a core reason as to why I don't really believe that people are going to change for the better. I don't really believe that people are going to essentially do the right thing that we all know, or what I hope we all know is the right thing. Because if you are comfortable where you're at, you are more than likely not going to change. The friend I was talking about earlier, they definitely needed to change certain diets and habits for their own health because they're in serious condition. And I didn't want to talk about it with them because I just, because of just seeing what they were doing, I didn't really believe that they were going to change. I know that they can. I know that they have everything that they need to change. I just didn't believe that they were going to change. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to just kind of, you know, step away from them because they just weren't, they just weren't a person that was going to uplift and benefit me in the ways that I need to, in the ways that I need to be. It sounds selfish, but when you just know somebody and you know that they're not going to change themselves for the better, and if they're a grown adult and they're doing what they feel is right, if they're doing what they believe is right, then let them have it. I personally believe that feelings and beliefs weigh heavier than knowing and knowledge because if you see just how everything kind of is in the world, people are just sort of doing what they, what they believe is 
like, you know, what gives them, you know, kind of just like solace and comfort for the moment. Like I get it. Like life's hard when you, you know, when you really think about it and we can't just be out here focusing on everything that's like upsetting us or, you know, like the world on fire and the coral reef getting wiped out, you know, like, like, you know, just, just everything. So we just kind of do what makes us feel right. What makes us okay. What makes us feel, you know, centered, what makes us feel grounded. We're all taught to believe that people are inherently good. I honestly don't think so. I don't think people are inherently good, at least not over here. (laughs) I think people are inherently indifferent and will only care past themselves, past like their own family and friends, if it directly affects them. You know, like how many times have you heard of people being really upset that gay people exist only to totally change their tune once their own child comes out as gay. (laughs) You know, like it was very easy for them to just disregard LGBTQ rights, LGBTQ equality, but once it affected their own family, especially like their own immediate family, then they suddenly changed their tune and now they're, they're all for it, they're all about it. I, I don't really think people care as much as we hope that th- we do. I think we project our own beliefs onto other people in terms of like how much we want people to care without really, you know, turning that belief onto our own selves and trying to just do and control what we can do. Because it's much easier to just hope that other people will do the right thing that we believe is right than for us to actually do what we believe and what we know to be right. Because how I see it, if people were inherently good, we wouldn't have the politicians that we do have in office if people were inherently good. Like, there wouldn't be so much corruption. If people were inherently good, we wouldn't have a homelessness issue. People wouldn't be in poverty. People, like, there wouldn't be issues with healthcare. If people were inherently good, these things wouldn't be happening. And, you, you know, we could chalk it up to, you know, lack of power, lack of choices, lack of access, you know, whatever makes you go to sleep at night. I'm not trying to be mad at you or shit on you. Like, I am totally a part of this, too. I think about how I live seven minutes away from a shopping center near my house, driving distance, and it's just a 10-minute bike ride, and it might actually be about the same time, if not quicker, on a bicycle, because with a bicycle, I could just pull up to the very front entrance of, you know, one of the shop, one of the, one of the stores. Whereas with a car, I would have to drive, find parking, and then walk to the place, which will probably take, you know, roughly around the same amount of time, if not a little bit more. And when I drive, it, you know, I'm wasting, you know, like I'm emitting a bunch of CO2 emissions, which are detrimental to society. 
It's just that it's more convenient and easier to drive because we have built a society that is for cars rather than for people. And we're just letting that happen. And yeah, like I'm, I'm speaking for myself. Like I am no saint at all. I'm not even trying to act like I am. <laughs> And it's just something that, you know, concerns me and bothers me too, because it's just, it's just inconveniences me that I don't bother, you know, doing what is right for the environment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, got on, got on a bit of a, got on a bit of a tangent, um, but I can bring it back. Trust me. Knowing is like falling in love with potential. Just because you know someone can do better, just because you know that this person has the capability to be a great father, a great salesperson, a great chef, I don't know, (laughs) doesn't mean they will do better. doesn't mean like they will actually do that. To all of you listening... I know that you can learn to play the piano. I have no doubt in my mind that you can learn to play the piano if you don't already. There's not a single doubt in my mind that you can't do that. You are totally capable of learning how to play the piano. There's nothing stopping you. You could probably even go into to doing it professionally. Like I have, I have no doubt. I don't believe that any of you will start learning how to play piano. <laughs> no offense. I, I, I love to be proven wrong. Like if some of you are thinking about learning how to play a piano, go for it. Cause I know that you can do that, but I have zero faith. I have zero belief that you will actually go and do that. <laughs> I believe that Some people don't know when to quit someone or something because they've invested way too much time into it. They're out here believing that things will change because they know that it is possible. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. And what the sunk cost fallacy is, is that it's mainly in economics It's the concept revolving around the tendency for humans to continue to invest in something that they have already invested a significant amount of time or money in. And the longer that a person has been working on the investment and the more time and energy they have put into it, the more likely it will be that they will continue the investment, no matter how poorly the investment is performing. I see this also in relationships as well, in people and Yeah, like, you know, people that, you know, we may admire over the TV screen and and everything. For example, I was a massive Andrew Yang supporter back in 2019. I absolutely loved his idea of a universal basic income. To this day, I still believe that it is, that it would be absolutely revolutionary if it were to come to be. I have no doubt in my mind that it would be absolutely beneficial and helpful What ended up happening was I would, you know, I would spend a lot of time on the Andrew Yang subreddit, you know, on Twitter, meeting people and learning and, you know, tweeting about him. 
I'd go, I'd be going down that, you know, rabbit hole, YouTube videos, whatever it was. And I spent a lot of time, you know, just following him, essentially. It got to the point where I would see people on the subreddit saying things like, hey, you know, they're not really talking about Yang here or there, you know, like he's barely. Essentially, people were speaking truth into us. And I never, I mean, I wasn't really much, I didn't really comment too often on the subreddit because that subreddit was just massively freaking racist and sexist. So obviously I didn't feel welcome. They accepted Trump supporters with like open arms, which was like the stupidest, like, like, like in terms of a marketing strategy, it wasn't, it wasn't very intelligent because he had to get the Democratic nomination. So the smarter thing to have done would have been to support and get black people, especially black women, to help vote. Like, it was just, am I, <laughs> sorry, I'm just laughing, because like, it was so obvious to me, like, it's like, hey, you need, he needs the Democratic nomination. Why aren't you talking to people who are already registered Democrats, most likely. Like, but it's like, no, let's try to get as many Trump supporters as possible. It's like, why? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, it, it's just not going to do what you think it's going to do. Like a lot of these Trump supporters were just happy to get the attention, like, you know, of the upvotes and things like that. <laughs> Sorry for being kind of crass about that but it's it's true because everybody just wants attention at the end of the day <laughs> i sound i sound heartless but whatever it's it was just like we have no idea like whenever somebody would say oh you know i voted for trump but i'm gonna go i'm changing my party affiliation to go vote for yang you have no idea where in the country they are if they're in Arkansas, that's not going to do anything. If they're in Utah, that's not going to do anything. But they jumped on those comments like they were the second coming of Jesus. Like they thought like those were like the best things possible. Like, like they thought this was like this was like such a win when it was when it when it meant nothing at the end of the day. Also, I guarantee you most of those people didn't bother changing their party affiliation <laughs> because that takes work and you best believe people don't want to work to do the right thing or people aren't going to really try to work to change because that requires putting on pants and leaving the house. And why would you do that when you could just not? We all know what we need to be doing we all know what we need to do to improve, and a lot of us aren't doing that. I did want to mention, you know, like my time, you know, being part of like, you know, following Andrew Yang and being part of his campaign and everything. I did meet like a lot of amazing people. As some of you already know, I'm also on a, a live stream podcast every Tuesday night called the Melanated Council. You could check us out on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. You can check us out on YouTube and Twitch. Just look for the Melanated Council. I'll put a link in the description 
And, you know, I met those people, like we were initially called the Melanated Council of Yang. And I'm really glad that we just, you know, we kind of just dropped that. We just dropped the Yang and just became the Melanated Council. And we have a great time, you know, every Tuesday night. One of the things that I would like to talk about later, sort of regarding the sunk cost fallacy, you know, when you invest so much time into a particular thing, you tend to meet like a lot of great people. So it makes you not really want to, you know, quit, whether it's the conspiracy theory, the cult, the tribe. On a later episode, I'm going to talk about community Thank you all so much for joining me on this wild and crazy ride that I probably contradicted myself a lot, but that's what we do here on the Agreeable Gray Area podcast. We like to talk about this, you know, the space between black and white. <laughs> Lastly, I wanted to mention that I have an email address. If you all want to contact me and if you want to suggest anything that you want me to talk about, if you want to join me on the podcast, that would be absolutely incredible. The email address is agreeablegrayarea at gmail.com. Gray spelled with an A, just like the podcast here. So yeah, definitely hit me up. Let me know. Any questions, comments, concerns. If you want to catch up, if you want to join me on the podcast area at gmail.com. As always, it's a pleasure. And of course, thank you all so much for listening and I'll see you on the next one.